You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You know I appreciate you. Today, my guest is Corey Congilio. I met Corey at GearFest this year. We crossed paths in the hallway and we said, hey, what's going on? And I was like, oh man, I've watched your stuff on YouTube. We've got to get you on the podcast. And so we are doing just that. If you're familiar with Corey, just go ahead and skip ahead and get right to the beginning of this episode because this is a really good one where we talk a lot about something that I'm extremely passionate about, which is making your living as a creative person. There are so many outlets and methods to do that now, and we explore that very, very much in depth, kind of at a high level so we don't get into super granular stuff, but we talk about it rather extensively, and it's a really, really great conversation. If you don't know Corey, Corey is an absolute monster of a player. He's a touring musician, a session musician. He has played with everybody under the sun. The man knows the guitar like the back of his hand, and he's also been teaching people for a very long time. We talk about it in the episode, but I wanted to make sure and drop the information here so that it was easy to find. His website is www.workingclassguitar.com, and if you go to the show notes for this podcast, there is a special link. It's a coupon where you can get a 14-day free trial at workingclassguitar.com, and then it's only nine bucks a month after that. So it's a really, really good value. That guy is dropping knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb in there, and you're definitely going to want to check that out. Again, the link is in the show notes. You're going to want to click that link specifically because that is going to take you right to the 14-day free trial at workingclassguitar.com. There's also another link in there to a free course. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. Free course that is a collection of about 40 lessons. I think he's adding more all the time, too. So if you click that link, everything's clearly labeled in the show notes. Go check that out. Those are not affiliate links, by the way. I don't get anything out of you clicking those specific links. It's just the easiest way to get you access to the places that you need to go on his website. I will always tell you if there are affiliate links I want you to click, like ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater or ToneMob.com slash Reverb. See, those are affiliate links. See, I'm just trying to be clear with everybody. Just trying to let everybody know what's up. Anyway, those links to Corey's stuff are in the show notes as we discuss in the episode. If you want to go check that out, that is the place to find them. Okay, that's enough jibber-jabber. Let's get into more jibber-jabber. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Corey Congilio. What's going on, dude? What's going on? How are you, man? Pretty good. You know, I'm here talking to you, so it doesn't get much better than that in my book. This oh, is, uh, I, it's exciting. As advertised, as I told you to say, as I paid you to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wallet's so heavy right now. I just got to get it out of my... It's going to throw my back out. Yeah. 
dude, I, I'm really excited to uh, have you here genuinely because I've you know, watched your stuff for I don't even know how long at this point. And oh, then, you know, meeting you that. at uh, Gear Fest, right. albeit be somewhat briefly, uh, was just like, hey, dude, you got to come on. All right. Cool. That's Let's how it talk works. about that later. Let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now, sure. now here we are. So. So, yeah, I think a good place to start would be for those that aren't familiar with you. Uh, when did you start playing and then what led you down the whole YouTube rabbit hole? Let's start at the very beginning and, and we'll see where it takes us. Uh, well, you know, I've been playing since I was a kid, you know, since 13 or whatever, teaching in my early 20s, um, then stopped teaching for a while and then connected with um, True Fire mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. And it was kind of like before True Fire was cool, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that really gave me a good sort of like practice, you know, breeding ground to um, kind of develop my teaching style and understanding how to talk to a camera, all that kind of stuff, which mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do very well. But it kind of... I don't want to say it came naturally to me, but it came to me in the sense that um, I was like, this is just a person. Just talk to it, you know, and we just kind of rolled from there. And then I got out of that whole, I mean, I was still doing True Fire stuff, but um, I started seeing that there was an opportunity to reach more people and to also present the version of yourself that you want to present. Like at a company like True Fire, you get sort of like, They'll let you do whatever you want, but in the early days, I was really kind of doing this beginner intermediate stuff, which I still do a lot of because that's the highest quality quantity of folks to reach is beginners and intermediate folks. Of course, yeah. Um, and so no no shame or harm in that. Um, and then I had some great people like Brett Papa and Tim Pierce tell me that like, hey, you're leaving a lot on the table here by not doing a YouTube channel, and like for most of us, it just seems like this incredibly huge mountain to climb. So we don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> this guy. Work to do. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, you just got to do it and things will happen when they're supposed to happen. And I was talking to, um, my new friend, Robert Baker, um, via, you know, he, you know, connections with YouTube and all that. And he was like, man, for as long as you've been doing it, which isn't that long. He's like, you're doing great. So it's always nice to have encouragement like that. But YouTube isn't the main goal. The main goal is having folks kind of connect to me in my my universe at my site, workingclassguitar.com, mm -hmm. where we kind of build a, a community within a community. Definitely. Um, and that's sort of like your listeners are a community. Like, so that's the, the next wave. But I love youtube as a platform to literally just do whatever you want as long as it's within their guidelines because it's creative it's fun you make new friends and connections you've never thought you'd make before and that's been one of the best things is becoming friends with all these people who are straight up vulnerable in front of a camera because you yeah. have to be vulnerable to be like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna hit upload fingers crossed you know that like <laughs> a few people watch it, you know, or not or whatever. So it's been a, it's been a weird journey that I'm learning and I'm learning every day, um, about what makes people watch, what makes them not watch all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So ultimately, like for me, the ultimate goal is to get people basically here where they are now is listening to these conversations. So every meme that I post, every, you know, base, not every, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but almost every piece of content that I put online, the ultimate goal is that people will find that and eventually make their way here and hopefully get some value out of these conversations. That's really what I'm after. Sure. And I think some creators have different goals. Like you mentioned, why I brought that up is you mentioned that the goal is to get people to your website and build that community. And right. I think a lot of people's ultimate goal is just to get people to watch the YouTube video, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just feel like that's a, it's a little bit more, you lose, you lose some control you know, when it's right, when it's that, you know, all of a sudden, well, maybe the taste shift or the algorithm shifts or whatever happens. And all of a sudden, you're not in the position that you were before. And so I, I've always tried to encourage people to get people to something that you can manage, you know, to the best of your ability. And that's why I've been always been drawn to podcasting, because as of right now, it's not totally algorithmic it's starting to lean that way a little bit with spotify but for the most part people subscribe and they get notified when the episode comes out and they listen to it yeah because they like you and the guests and 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 they want to connect with you in that way to where it doesn't feel like something's getting pushed on them via an algorithm or they've listened to these four podcasts and now how about this one you know Mm -hmm. um and that's the same thing with a youtube channel is and it's also a lot of the sort of philosophies and things I've I've listened to from people out there that are strong at building businesses online, like Seth Godin, for instance. Yeah. I listen to him a lot and read his stuff. And it's more about that small, you know, committed group of people than the large group of people. And that's hard to, you know, believe in that when you're just starting out. You know, yes. <laughs> um, but then you notice like I get the same 20 people that email me every month. And I'm thinking these are the people that are, you know, like suggesting lessons or questions they have or whatever. And I'm thinking these are the people, if it's 20 of them, there might be 10 times that that's not emailing me. Yeah. Easily. Um, you know, so that means I'm going to really invest in these people because it's going to trickle out and they're going to, they're going to get the, you know, sort of repercussions, you know, or the, 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 the ripple effect of, of me answering these questions and being, um, this community driven kind of guy to where let's all work together. Let me help you. And let's see where we can go from there. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and there's if that means 50 or a hundred or 200 or a million doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's, it's all about those people. Everything really is because, they're the ones that care about you, right? And it may seem kind of weird to anybody listening who's maybe thinking about trying to start down a journey like this. Yeah. But the truth is, like, we all have, you know, we all have things or people or brands or whatever that we all are big fans of. You know, I have a I have a favorite band, you know, and I buy every record that comes out, you know, I and I don't feel weird about it. I really enjoy their output and I really Mm -hmm. want to support what they're doing. So I make sure and do that. And there's so many people in this world that odds are there are at least a handful of people that will be really into whatever 
you're doing. You know, it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter what it is. It, it keeps surprising me every time. But at the same time, I'm more empowered these days than I ever was because uh, there's it's a blessing and a curse to live in a town like Nashville because there's so many good people here. There's so many talented people here. There's so many things going on. There's so many ways that you feel you need to measure yourself in your success. But in the online world, it's you and that's it. Like mm -hmm. there's nobody you need. You can choose to compete with other people in this space, but that's just going to keep you behind the eight ball and not, you know, creating content or lessons or demos or whatever you want to do. So the best thing I try to do is I, I don't watch much of everybody. I just kind of do what I do and I just keep watching the numbers change and the views change and the subscribers change. And there are days when it's like, oh, wow, I had a thousand subscribers in two weeks. You know, that's mm -hmm. amazing. And then it's like, oh, it's been two months and I've only had a thousand, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, so it's like, you got to roll with it and you got to, this is what I often call your little corner store. So there's going to be times when that little market has a line out the door trying to get something. And then there's going to be days that go by where they have two people come in for a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. you know, but you still stay open and you still stock your shelves, you know, and that's what you're doing with your podcast or me doing with my channel and my, and then it becomes even more, you know, imagine that you had a subscription to your 7-Eleven, but every time you went to 7-Eleven, they were out of your favorite, you know, Slurpee, you know, you would get <laughs> kind of like pissed that like, Hey, I'm paying you this much month, money a month to come in and get my free, you know, Slurpee. And you're always out of cherry, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, Nope, can't do that. You got to keep the shelves stocked. So it's a beautiful thing to have a devoted group of people that also keep you accountable. Yes. Um, so so I like I like that that aspect of it. Yeah. What it's become for me is it's not. It's really strange because it's not something I really anticipated going in. Mm -hmm. On top of wanting to do a good job and wanting to produce things for for the people to listen to and enjoy and you know distract them or whatever the case may be when they're listening. There, there actually is, beca it's became a outside of like, this is my job. This is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's a massive level of responsibility that I, I didn't expect to where, and this hasn't happened in a very long time, but you know, several years ago, there would be maybe a gap where I couldn't produce or I couldn't get scheduled because I was essentially working three jobs at the same time. Right. And people were messaging me like, Hey, Where's the podcast? I really want to listen to where's the show, you know, and it, yeah. that feels really good. And also it's a weird responsibility that I didn't expect to feel, you know, like, no, oh, you're, yeah, people you're are totally counting right. on this, which sounds so strange. It does. And I, but I know the feeling like when I would put out, you know, I missed a, a YouTube video last week. I try to do one a week mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where I would do more if I could, I just with the site and with content creating being as it is like, you know, my stuff's not, I'm not Paul David's like, you know, I'm not storyboarding and stuff like that, but it does take me a while to really put something constructive together. Cause I don't want it to be a waste of someone's time. So if they're going to spend 10 or 15 minutes of me watching with me, watching a video, I want it to be something they can really sink their teeth into. So it takes me sometimes a few days to like really hone the concept. Um, and I also, am I, am I, you know, one man show I'm doing all the editing and everything myself. So mm -hmm. not that it's that hard, but you know what I mean? There's people out there that have teams of folks now that do this stuff. Um, 
And when we're, you know, lower level of output, <laughs> it's a little harder. Anyway, my point is, is that I do get those messages too, saying like, oh, I, you know, I really look forward to every Saturday you having a video up, you know, and that makes you feel like, oh, wow, this is, this is working. Yeah. And people want to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, then you like kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit ago, then you realize that like, as weird as that might feel for you as an individual creator, mm -hmm. you like everyone, like I said, everyone has things that they're fans of. And so it's not weird to me to like my favorite band or whatever. Right. You know, and maybe it feels kind of strange to them. Who knows? I'm not, not really sure, but <laughs> it, it is interesting that we live in a timeline where it's possible for an individual just to, this is an oversimplification, but to turn on a microphone, turn on a camera and talk yeah. to it and right. have that mean something to a fairly sizable group of people. It's, it's just a strange timeline that we're living in. It's awesome, it, but it's, it is. it's kind of uncharted at this point. And yeah, I think it's going to be for a while, which is totally fine because I think the thing about the internet, it is the wild west. And as long as there's not, you know, Uber regulations, we're going to be able to do and say what we want for the most part, which is great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, run businesses at the same time. Totally. Yeah. So taking a few steps back, did you come to Nashville? Oh, we or... might have a dog sneaking in here. Oh, <laughs> canine friends. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show, canine friend. Yeah. So you're in Nashville, which is like my home away from home. I wish I could be there more, but... uh yeah, I get there a couple times a year anyway. Where are you? Uh, I'm in uh, Portland, Oregon. You're in, I was going to say, you're in North Northwest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm in Nashville a few times a year doing stuff with Stringjoy and usually like helping move the shop around or something okay. like that. Uh, but yeah, it's I absolutely love that town. Are you from Nashville? Did you come to Nashville to... What, what's your story there? How did you get to Nashville and what's, well, it's, what's it's it like in that? I lived in Nashville once in the early 2000s and it was one of those things where, I mean, you know, you've been here a lot. It couldn't be more different than it is now. Oh, I mean, wow. literally yes. was like, I mean, uh, is as different as you can imagine. There was nothing, not, not even physically or structurally or, you know, uh, city line or anything like that. I mean, just the music and, and all that. It was country. It was a country town, you know, and, and um, definitely had all the clicks in place and the, all that kind of stuff. And not that that doesn't happen now, but anybody can move here now and meet people that do something that is similar to what they do. Mm -hmm. And any, I mean, even genre bending is just, it's all over the place. Like it's, um, and that's, that's really, really good. Um, that being said, um, there was an element back in the early 2000s of um, you really had to bring your A game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. You know, you really like everybody you played with was always going to be top notch in every band. Um, not that that doesn't happen now, but for the most, I mean, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting things that happen here now where different people get put together in a band situation for different reasons for like, I'm talking about like, you know, side musician yeah. stuff. You know, totally. Um, so I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but in any case, I was here in the early 2000s. It didn't work out because of like some personal things that happened. And, you know, sometimes you just got to go like back to where you're safer and financially on your feet and all that kind of stuff. So I moved back to Pittsburgh where I was living for a long time. And uh, 
decided that I had to get married, get divorced, and then move back here again to be <laughs> truly in the experience. Right. <laughs> the experience. So I've been here for another 10 years, you know, now. So, okay. Got um, it. yeah, but, uh, that's kind of my, my Nashville full circle. Um, and a lot has changed and a lot about me has changed and a lot about the industry has changed. And I think the, if I've done one thing well, it has been seeing the landscape of the music industry and how we fit in it as instrumentalists or, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you're not looking for a publishing deal or a artist deal, it is going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. here in my opinion so when you first came were you looking at it as like yeah i want to be a guy in the band is that was that the goal one of the things i thought i thought what would be the golden goose kind of thing would be to, to get into a place where you're playing in this massive touring band and then you're also doing sessions because the people that i would look up to were doing one the other or both mm-hmm. like brent mason would be sessions Kenny Greenberg doing both, you know, sessions and touring with Kenny Chesney. Because um, to me, that just sounded like, okay, that's that's all of it. Now, what has happened is you can still tour and do sessions, but nothing nothing in life is guaranteed, but particularly nothing in this industry is guaranteed. <laughs> Definitely. And the, but what is guaranteed, I'll tell you, is that the cost or what you get paid continually goes down. Um, and, and, or stay the same for the past 10, 15, 20 years. So it effectively Um, goes down via inflation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I started seeing that a few years ago and I was probably late to see it then, but I was like, man, I should focus on the things that really helped me the most, you know, not only financially, but are fun and creating lesson videos and demo videos and playing the way I want to play guitar is what's most fun. Can I get paid to do that? Let's see if it works, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of where the past two and a half, three years have been. Got it. Got While it. still juggling all the normal Nashville stuff, like <laughs> sessions and, and gigs and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I remember when I had, a I had JD Simo on a few years ago and uh-huh. he, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he was talking about, I mean, obviously at the time he was, you know, referring to, he was the guy, you know, like he was the guy that got called to go do everything basically. Yeah. And he told me, he was just like, one day he's just like, man, I'm playing all this stuff that I don't want to play. Like, I don't want to be on these records. I don't want to be playing these type of things. I don't even know specifically what he was referring to, but he was just not, he said it became like a a jobby job and Mm -hmm. not in a good way. Uh, I might be putting words in his mouth. Y'all can go back and listen to his episode for his exact words. <laughs> but, uh, and he realized that like, he just wanted to make the music that he wanted to make. And right. it, it's interesting because, you know, now he is this, you know, kind of revered guitarist, 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 you know? Yeah. A- and uh, he would never have gotten there if he hadn't made that leap and decided, I I got to make a change, you know? And right. it's interesting how music as Nobody gets into this by accident, right? It's everyone's passionate about it to some degree and they may lose that over time. And that's what I think people need to be, you know, as much as I like to talk about making careers in creative fields and pushing forward in those ways, I think finding a way to retain that spark is really crucial. 
A hundred percent. And my spark now is, is greater than it's ever been. Cause I had, I, I had a massive flame for, if you were going to hire me as a band leader or guitar player, like I was going to learn it really good. I was going to bring to the table background vocals. Cause I can do that really well. Um, I know how to play if there's three or five guitar parts on a song, but I'm the only guitar player. I'm going to be able to kind of put them all together to make it make sense in the live situation, I'm really good at all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I realized like, wow, like nobody's paying me what I think I'm worth in that, like something's got to change. Even the best paying gigs I had were still, if I did the math, like less than $20 an hour, you know, from all the, yeah, because of all of the travel, you know, some, some artists pay you road pay. Some, some of them don't like travel pay. Um, most of them don't. Um, and I just was like, man, this is like a lot of things I bring to this organization. But, uh, you know, not only am I not getting paid what I think I should be, I'm also like what you're saying about JD is like, do I really even like this? Mm-hmm. You know, and and it also, I'll add another thing to it. There's, there's a YouTube video in my future. I just have to think about it, about how touring made me a worse guitar player. Oh. Um, because, you know, I did a video with Tim Pierce many years ago and it got a lot of, like, ah, you're being a baby. Ah, like you get to do what you love, but you're complaining about it. It's like anybody that like, if you wanted to build stuff and then became a contractor, you know, in their adult age, like it's not what they thought, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the same thing with playing, doing your hobby for a living. Like you're like, oh, this is the work part of it. And that's fine. Like I've played plenty of weddings. I played plenty of shitty gigs. I've done plenty of things that were, I had to do it to make money, which is totally fine. Um, but you get to a, a crossroads where you're like, I don't even like playing guitar in this situation. Wow. How can I change that? Mm-hmm. You know? And what I think JD is saying is just like, he's giving all of his creative energy to something that he doesn't really care about. And when you're doing that, like you're doing on session, like you're playing on sessions, you're playing gigs, you have to dig deep down. So it looks like Everybody in the room knows that you're having a good time. You're bringing in something good, something you're proud of. But you spent all that time for something that belongs to someone else. Mm-hmm. And Tim Pierce told me a long time, you got to do something where you have some ownership involved. And making videos, there's ownership attached to it. It's your video. Yep. You know, whatever you want with it. Make a guitar course. I own it. You know, and that doesn't happen in a traditional music sense, music field if you will. Right. Um, so I guess the other thing I wanted to say about to piggyback. Yeah, I guess I kind of said it about like, you know, putting all my effort into this stuff and not feeling like it's being reciprocated in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's a time and place where you have to like, look at the parts that you don't enjoy and figure out yeah. Like a why that is, and b is it necessary? And sometimes it is. Some that not all of this is sunshine and rainbows. There's no yeah, no nothing. There is no job on the planet that is perfect. You know, there's always yeah. elements of it that you're not gonna like. You just try to reduce those as much as possible. Right. And as for me, I found like I love gear, and I love I I, I just absolutely love guitar pedals. I'm just obsessed with mm-hmm. them. 
And I think most of the listeners would probably agree that they're just... See my floor. Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) great. There's probably 40 on this floor right now. (laughs) But it got to a point for me where I was focused on the pedal Mm -hmm. and showing what that can do. And that's still part of my job. I still put up little clips here and there and, and show people those things. But it made it about that and not about the music. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had to take a few a step back a, a few years ago and be like, what? Why did you like these little boxes in the first place? It wasn't because they were cool and had blinky lights on them. Mm-hmm. It was because you could do cool things with them. It was because you could what you could make with them, not the thing itself. And for a while, it became about the thing itself. And so I had to just yeah. throw that all in the garbage temporarily, mentally, and just say, Just pull out whatever you want. You have a ridiculous amount of gear here. Pull out whatever you want and just make sounds with it and record it. Do do that. Like, just have fun with it. Just make the sounds, make the noises, make the bleep bloops and the wheedly wheeze and all the (laughs) other stuff, you know, like do that, record it and, you know, just make it about the sounds. And then that's how I started making music again, which was, you know, making music for music's sake not making a clip to show what this distortion sounds like. Right. Yeah, I often try to think about that. Um, I don't listen as rapidly to music like I used to in my 20s um, or even my early 30s where I was just like, okay, I need to know every aspect of this because now I'm just trying to put my hands on the guitar, plug in gear, whatever, and have fun and make something that I think is cool as opposed to trying to copy everybody so that I could get the gig. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be the best country guitar player or the best blues guitar player, or the best rock guitar player, whatever, so that I can always stay working when honestly people hire you because they like what you do and the sounds you make on your instrument and with your gear. Mm-hmm. And that can come through on a video or a course or an Instagram post or, or whatever. Um, so it all goes back to like, wow, if you were just being yourself the whole time, maybe that maybe you'd be farther along. So again, to piggyback off of what you were talking about with JD was like, I can agree. Like I'm playing guitar the way I wanted, I want to after all these years of trying to play just to get work. Yeah. And what I realized was like, wow, people actually like what I do that is original to me, not me playing this style of music well enough to get a gig. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to be in. It's okay. a fantastic place to be in. Definitely. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris 30X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks. And something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? Hey! 
how exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Yeah. And I think we're both, we're saying all this and we're not at all trying to like, if you enjoy being the side man, if yeah. that's what you like, I mean, it's all about for me, it's like, it's about being self-aware enough to know what it is that you like right. and then double down on that. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter what that yeah. is. It could be I mean, if you really like gardening, figure out how to garden as often as possible. You know what? It does not matter yeah. what the thing is. Just try to be self-aware enough that you can recognize the things that make you happy and do them as much as you can without it being an impediment to the rest of your life, essentially. Sure. I mean, I'm saying on your podcast how I feel about me. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily about what's good for someone else. You know, like if a 20-year-old wants to move here and wants 150 bucks a show to jump in a van for the next three years, go for it. Like, it's a young man's game. It's a single man's game. Have a blast. (laughs) I don't want to say, I don't want to be exclusive. It's a single person's game. It's a young person's game. Uh, There's plenty of folks out there um, doing it. I mean, gosh, you know, I've seen folks that are older than me do it, younger than me do it and love it, you know. Um, But uh, what I would say was just listen to that little voice in the back of your head that's saying, I like this, but am I always going to like this? You know, Mm -hmm. if you're loving it, Love the heck out of it while you're in it, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. But you owe it to yourself to listen to yourself. Yes. Yeah, and I think that, um, I mean, specifically, I think young people, but not exclusively, but I think young mm-hmm. people, and I put myself in that category, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. we we would kind of just, to some degree, you kind of do what you're told, right? You kind of, you, yeah. you're told, go to college, do this, blah, 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 blah. And that's what most people do because... Well, everyone says that's what you do. So that's what you do. Right. Right. And I think that that can be true for many people. But what I really like to hammer home is that, like, maybe that's not for you. It certainly wasn't for me. You know, I, I, I and that, that shows I'm kind of a dingus. Everyone hears me talk, <laughs> but like, but like, that, it wasn't for me. And I think part of the problem we're in with society right now is that a whole generation was somewhat lied to. Right. And told this is the only way that you can have a good life. And it's yeah. it's kind of in retrospect, it's kind of stupid. Like that doesn't even make any sense. There are so many different ways to carve your own path, whatever that looks like. That may mean you're a tradesperson and that's what you like to do. You know, it, it doesn't right. there is no one size fits all answer for everybody. And and I feel like uh, like specifically the millennials were kind of fed that there was. 
which is strange in retrospect. Yeah, I, th I think we're seeing the last of that conversation being implemented. And I think it's funny what a pandemic can do, you know, because think about, you know, we just had a school loan thing get passed um, here. And also before that, I mean, these universities weren't cutting anybody breaks for not coming into school. Like, it's like, hey, I can't go to the place I'm paying you know, 30 grand a year for because I'm, we're locked out. Do I get any kind of like, you know, postponement on my pay on my loan or any kind of reimbursement? Like they're like, Nope, sorry, can't come. Still got to pay, you know? Yep. And people are saying like, there's probably young people being like, well, why do I need to give my money to that school that I'm not guaranteed anything when I leave? Whereas, you know, at one point you kind of were like, if you went for like, you know, let's say you get an accounting degree or a dentist or something like that, you're a pharmacist, like you're going to find a job, you know, and that piece of paper is sort of your ticket to it, you know, but if that mold doesn't work for you, then what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I think that's where we are. And I'm trying to, when I talk to young people about that, like, like, yeah, I think it's, don't put all your eggs in the, you know, in the school basket of, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this and do four years and, you know, that's going to promise me something. I listened to plenty of Gary Vee and Seth Godin and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Like I said, Seth, Seth talks about the early days of education literally being a waste, a method of controlling people, you know, and programming them, you know, to do a certain thing because they needed people in the workforce, you know. Mm -hmm. So if we put them in this, in this system and we tell them to go here, we're going to have more people in the industrial revolutionary age to create this stuff, to make more products, to make more money, blah, 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 you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I was talking about like the, the college thing wasn't for me, but I did kind of I got I went down a different path that also wasn't for me before I was able to pivot into doing what I'm doing now. So, you know, I did go into the trades and was pretty sure that that's what I was going to do my whole life. And mm -hmm. I've told this story a few times on the podcast, but I found myself parked out of a convenience store slash subway uh, just going like, look, kind of staring at my steering wheel going like, what, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, I'm like, why, why do I keep doing this? Right. I realized that I had put a tremendous amount of time, energy and effort into getting the job that I had. And it was a very good job. There's no, like, I'm not, not trying to dump on it at all. It was a very, very good job in a very steady industry. And I was still bummed. I was like, why am I right. still bummed about this? And I realized it's not, this isn't for you. This isn't your thing. You don't like this. You're good at it. You do, you do your job well, because if you don't, everybody dies. But like, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not fulfilling in that mm -hmm. way. And then I went, well, every single effort that you've made since you got out of high school was to get a job like this. So maybe you need to make the same amount of effort and try to do something that you actually like. And I wasn't really sure what that was at the time, mm -hmm. but slowly over time, I figured out like, I like talking to people about music and creativity. So here we are, you know, this is <laughs> yeah, the like highlight said, of my week. You were listening to that voice. And I mean, I don't want to get like too existential about anything, but like that voice kind of comes from a place that cares about you and wants you to feel good when you do this every day. And you were perhaps I want to speculate trying to fulfill something because you thought if I check these boxes, I'm going to be happy with this job and 
you know, the effort I put into getting it is going to pay off and all that kind of stuff. And I did that up until three years ago, like Mm -hmm. playing guitar literally meant I'm doing it to please someone else. Yeah. And that's going to sound weird, but what that person is, is the artist, the producer, the company I'm making lesson courses for. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, that's all good. I've been able to sustain a living. I bought a house playing guitar. Like this is pretty great. And at the end of the day though, it was like, wait a second, but none of this stuff feels like it's got my stamp on it. Mm -hmm. You know? So now it does like, I'm literally uploading today. I was uploading, uh, videos to my website for this new ebook that I'm going to put out. And it gets me so excited to know that like I can see the finish line. Yeah. Like this product's almost out. And you know who did that? Me. Now I have some help with some people getting it across the line, but it was my brainchild, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to be out there. And it's yep. such a cool feeling. Definitely. And That's that could be, that, that doesn't have to be a guitar course. It could be graphic design it could be architecture it could be how well you wire a pedal board it could be how you know i first say in the music world you know it could be anything like there's art in everything mm-hmm. and and personality your own personality mm-hmm. yeah and it's about like is this something that i mean i know we keep harping on this over and over again but it's like is this fulfilling to you you know like right you know, I know some cabinet makers that love making cabinets. I don't like making cabinets. <laughs> they like making cabinets and they do amazing work and they're proud of it right. once it gets out right. there in the world. And it's hard and time consuming and but they love doing that, you know, mm-hmm. and it and I think that's that's the most important thing. My one of my best friends, Jesse, he's a machinist, mm-hmm. loves it. I would hate that job, but <laughs> but he absolutely loves it, you know, so um, I'm glad to hear it because they, those jobs, like I said, are artistic and are fulfilling in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, just like somebody would say, I can't believe you sit in front of a camera and then you edit it and then you post it. That's terrifying. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> you do get used to it. And because, you actually yeah. grow to like it, you know? Yeah. It took me, I mean, I don't know how much content I made. I mean, hundreds, hundreds, right. maybe thousands of pieces of content before I put my face on the internet. Oh, like, wow. Like it was weird. You know, I, yeah. I, even during the early days of the podcast, there was rarely like a picture of me. Oh, okay. in fact, some listeners for a while were like, what do you, I don't even know what you look like. I've heard your <laughs> voice. <laughs> and I have a, a friend that um, is a guitar builder and he, he put none of his videos have him in it. It's only the guitar mm-hmm. and his hands. You know, it's like a conscious thing. Mm-hmm. You know? It's yeah. funny. But it was because I, it literally was because I was uncomfortable with it though. I, I wasn't. I wasn't so, wasn't comfortable with it, and then over time, I just di- I just ripped that bandaid off, did it good. a few times, and now it's like it's not that big of a deal, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's and it's all it's such a process of learning when, how to get comfortable with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like jumping in the deep end. It's one of those things you do. You'd kind of there is no shortcut. You just have to do it. <sighs> no, and see what happens. Yeah. That's yeah. really all there is to it. Well, let's segue into that a little bit. So let's yeah. let's hypothetically say, and that's probably not even really that hypothetical, honestly. <laughs> but there's there's somebody listening to this right now. That's like I hope there's somebody listening to it. <laughs> there's there's definitely somebody listening to it right right this very moment. <laughs> but let's let's say that they're they're interested. Like, okay, we've talked them, we've kind of talked them into it. They're hyped up. They're they're like, I want to do that. I want to do what those guys do in okay. some form. 
in your opinion, what would the first step be? What would the very first thing say they already know how to play guitar mm-hmm. what's or or whatever instrument they want to do something like what we do? What would your first suggestion be? You mean like post content in this world, like related yeah, exactly. to some basically be a content creator for a living. Yeah. I mean aside from the obvious of saying you just gotta do it, you know, mm-hmm. that's anybody can say that. But like, I think, do you intend to do it as a hobby or for a living? You want to figure that out. Okay. Um, and where do you, where are you going to build your community? Are you going to do it on YouTube? Are you going to do it on Instagram? Are you going to make podcasts? Um, because the sooner you figure that out, the easier it will be to kind of focus your content instead of just putting anything out there randomly, you know, and also I would say you can get specific and do what you like, but I make guitar lessons and I do some, some gear demos, but it's more guitar lesson based. Um, and I'm sure I will get more like sort of talking head ish as I get, you know, more you know involved in the channel. So the channel grows, I should say. But for the most part, people like to see little tips on how to make their soloing and rhythm better. Um, and that's kind of what I focus on because there's all these little stones that you can unturn and you might teach three lessons about something and then a year later teach three, those three lessons again and it takes off because yes. it was oh, wherever yes. it po- got pointed at the time. You know, I have so many lessons on my channel that I could do again that would probably be better. Um, but there's a part of me that's like, no, you can't repeat yourself. Of course you can. You totally can because you'll be better at it. So find a platform that you want to engage in. Talk to somebody that does it already better than you. Um, get their advice. Um, and make a video. Just just do it and get started. Mm-hmm. You know, Because someone always, someone, this is what always what somebody says to me. They're like, well, I don't know what I could contribute since there's so much out there. Well, you're not out there. Mm-hmm. So nobody's made videos about you or what you what they think you're going to do, you know? So your perspective is a unique one, even if it's very I mean, I talk to fellow, you know, guitar players that have YouTube channels all the time and we're 95% of the time on the same page about everything. But our filters are all different. So totally. it comes through a different, you know, I mean all our experiences are all different too. Like you know, I, I hung out a couple of weeks ago with Pete Thorne when he was passing through here on tour. And Pete had all these different perspectives about that world that were different from mine, even though we both had like touring experience and stuff. But he's in LA, I'm in Nashville. It's completely different. And it was really cool to be like, we'd never say the same thing the same way because our experiences have, to- have taught us differently. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a that is a very good point, and and I know that other people have pointed that out before. But it is like your lens is is different, and your 100%. style of even if your lens is exactly the same, your style of presentation is probably going to be different. Yeah. You know? Oh I yeah. Mean, we're sitting here with functionally, we're doing the same thing right now. Right. And our camera views look very different. Right. <laughs> like it's it's just it's just, it's a stylistic choice what draws each of us in, and it's going to appear different just mm-hmm. by nature of you taking the wheel and and doing it. Yeah. And I would add one more thing to that where you were talking about uh 
you know, pick your platform essentially, at least mm-hmm. in the beginning. And yeah. I think some of that can come down to utility. It did for me. So where I was at, I was working in an oil terminal. Oh, wow. I was wearing a hard hat and and coveralls all day. I couldn't really make content in yeah. the in like I didn't have a studio set up where I could go make stuff. I didn't have a spot where I could go do things. But I had my phone and yep. I did have a collection of cool gear that I could take little clips of and take pictures of and take different things. And so I would literally like it, I don't think I've ever talked about this. I would literally put guitar pedals in the pockets of my coveralls. Oh my gosh. And go to some unique looking area in the terminal and like set a guitar pedal up on it and and take a photo and then like talk about what it what it oh, did or what cool. it was. You know, that's and that really was cool. that obviously works better on Instagram. There wasn't really right. another choice. So I sure. I started on Instagram and built from right. there. And then furthermore, the first I don't know, 70 or 80 podcast episodes were also recorded mostly there or across the street in the forest oh, Wow! <laughs> on my phone with an app. So like you kind of, some of it is just a product of utility. You like, you have to, I knew that like I could, I could make content for Instagram and I could record audio podcasts. And I just, the more I did audio podcasts, the more I loved them. And yeah. so that's, that was kind of how it but, evolved. So sometimes so the platform is a, is a product of utilities is, and, and think about that is just something I would add to it. Yeah, but you didn't let the, the, the you know, you didn't have like the best microphone or the best, you know, environment to hold no, you there's back. Tra- there's trains you know? going by in the early episodes yeah. and all kinds of stuff. No, yeah. that's, that's super cool because that's another thing that trips people up. Well, I got to get a camera. Okay, well, what camera should I get? Well, I got to get a better lens. Well, what should I be recording my audio into? Well, should, what kind of microphone do you have? Like, I don't care if it's a SM58 and a zoom field recorder like mm-hmm. make it work i could make it work yeah you know if i had to it, it'd be a lot more i mean i got some nicer stuff now that makes my job easier but the process is still the same you still have to upload you still have to shoot you still have to edit <laughs> yeah you know yeah totally. there's plenty of things like like at the sweetwater thing like i some of the footage didn't come out the way i wanted to and you get in there and you're doctoring the audio up the best you can and it's just like People want to look through your the peephole of your of your experience, and they're oftentimes willing to forego the quality. <laughs> um, they'll let you know otherwise, though. Sometimes, right. <laughs> like, you know, um, but yeah, like uh, sometimes the rogue thing is, is super helpful and I'm, is super cool, and I'm sure for you that was the only way to go in the early yeah, stages. It, yeah, that was it, and you know, I'm just now kind of going down the camera camera rabbit hole and learning about that. I I know hardly like when I was at Sweetwater I would set mm-hmm. up at booths and I'm like so, just a heads up I'm a podcaster I don't really know what I'm doing here so we'll see how this goes and everyone right. was super chill with it and and they knew they kind of knew the deal fortunately right. I have a friend uh shout out Devon who's helping me with all that stuff so I have a little bit of a cheat code nice. there because I can call him whenever and he'll help me but uh yeah I hadn't I really that's why I was set up. I don't know if you saw it, but that's why I was set up in Studio B at Sweetwater because I was just grabbing people off the floor and bringing them back and recording podcasts. Yeah. But I still had scheduled times at booths. So I was like, well, I want to make the most of this. I want to do sure. as much as I can. So I was like, well, I don't know how to run this thing, but let's point it at the thing and <laughs> find out what happens. So yeah, it's it really has been just a, a learning experience from from the jump. You know, I never... Oh, yeah. I, I, I never 
never have really known what I'm doing. <laughs> I just do it and figure it out along the way. I think people would be surprised how few really do know what they're doing. Um, and that just shows you the beauty of the platforms is that as long as you get it out, that's all it's important mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I think there comes a time when you can start to um, hone and refine your delivery method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, like, you know, my room is like this room that I'm in is just a bedroom in my house um, that I see like a different remodel for, you know, and my, um, we call him, you know, he's affectionately like the manager of like the online stuff I do. Because when you do a site that also is taking payments, it's helpful to have somebody that really knows that world. Yes. You know, and, and can help me navigate the back end of the site. So I talked to him and he's like, the only person that really cares about your, your set is you <laughs> and you're comparing <laughs> it to how cool, you know, uh, uh, fluffs is or something or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's like, or are you comparing it to, you know, uh, the cool, like, you know, backdrop Rick Beato has with all the amps and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, no, just do you for now. You're fine. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm like I'm very fortunate to have this space and you know this this build actually started way before well not way before but a long time before I realized mm-hmm. that this is what I wanted to do. I actually was just selfishly building this because I'm a huge gear nerd and I wanted a place where I could turn up as loud as I want whenever I want. Yeah. And so and so that was the the nexus like I think a lot of people think that it was built because of my, my job now. And like, no, this right. came first. Like, I right. started construction on this. This was just going to be my man cave. That's awesome. A- and now we're to a point, which is, it's funny because we're not moving anytime soon, but my wife and I have often talked, like if we do move, I actually have to build the shred shed first. Another one. Yeah. yeah. I have to build that before we can, even if we like bought a fixer upper house or something, I'd actually have to get this done first so that I could work while, right doing the rest of that she's like what a weird situation you found yourself in like yeah and and thankful we have you know people in our lives that see that like i was literally having that conversation today about should we remodel at some point to add more should we do an add-on to the house Mm -hmm. it was like you know would we do it to like make your space bigger i'm like absolutely not I would go into the bedroom and we'd make a bitter better part for the for the house for the rest of us and um I want to keep the overhead low and that yeah. <laughs> is not redesigning a room again and doing all the painting and all the, you know, hanging of everything. Like I just don't have time. You yeah, know, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I don't, that's part of it. I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to do that again. I really like where I'm at. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wild thing, but yeah, I think that's, that is important for everybody to take away. If there's anything to take away, it's like just, you know, look at your situation do and do what you can with that. And it might not be much. It might not be much in that moment, but at least take those baby steps to start moving forward. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the gear exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there. That's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, Right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, 
you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Good Hertz. Well, it's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about lossing, I invite you to head over to chaseflintsaudio.com. Yeah, it might be just little tweaks along the way. Like I can see little tweaks in my videos from from video to video. I mean, there's there's sometimes I'll do one and then it looks good, and then I screw something up, and the next two don't look as good, and I got to go back to where I was. You know, it's all these different things I'm navigating, or it's like, oh, I forgot to like turn that light on back there. Yep whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but nobody cares. Like I've never had somebody say, you forgot to turn that light on your video sucks. Like, ever said <laughs> Unsubscribing. I'm Unsubscribing. sure that will happen someday, you know, but. Oh, it, oh, it will. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, <laughs> you'll get some, sometimes the comments, they get really interesting. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I have one more question before we, we kind of wrap this main part up. Yeah. So and I meant to ask this earlier, but ha- since you started doing this, Mm-hmm. Has that translated into, I don't I'm not exactly sure how to phrase this. Has that translated into more traditional cool gigs or things in the quote unquote real life that wouldn't have happened otherwise? Um, not so much. I guess Gearfest that probably. Well, well yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's cool. Now it's a little bit of a disclaimer because I've been in what we affectionately refer to as the MI world for a long time. I mean, I've been, gosh, I, I, I used to work as a demo guy for Fishman. Mm-hmm. Um, and from Fishman that connected me to Martin. And when I quit Fishman, Martin snatched me up and they said, Hey, do you want to go and do clinics for us? They call it the Martin experience. So I did that from like 2000, probably like, I don't know, 15 to like, just, just after COVID, just before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would account for a big part of like my, my income because it paid better than most gigs I had. And I'd be on the road sometimes for four or five days at a time doing different music stores. Um, and then I also, in that world, as you know, there's like people that cross pollinate to like a bunch of different companies. Um, so I have friends at a bunch of places, um, 
Universal Audio being one of them. So I had some friends there when they came out with the Ox. I basically said, if you don't hire me to be your demo guy, you're making a mistake because I can tell the story. <laughs> but I was like the NAM demo guy for about three years for the Ox. Um, and I still do stuff for them occasionally or with their blessing or, you know, joint thing or whatever. So, it, so a lot of that stuff is always like, oh, so now you have a channel too that's growing even better. You know, so yeah. that's cool. So I would I would be involved with those. Come in Sweetwater was I mean I've been going to Sweetwater since like oh seven, like nice. before they had any of what you saw there. It was conference rooms of fluorescent lights, you know. So I saw it way before the megaplex it is now, and I mean I was going to those presenting at seven a.m. for their meetings and stuff like that. Um, but any cool non gig? I met some people I really admire through social media, which is cool. Like. Um, and, and names you, you know, may or may not know, like Kurt Piscara, the drummer in LA who's played with Mick Jagger and, you know, Sarah McLaughlin and all these people. And he's part owner of a guitar pedal company of all things. And I'm like stoked that we're acquaintances now because I've checked out some of his pedals and he's a great, great dude. And I, I love his playing. Um, people what like company? that. Plug that, plug that thing. What oh, that's West, that's West Co pedals. Okay. Um, sorry, they make a really cool um, envelope filter called the Grease Juicer, and there's some Ooh, videos. Like it's an <laughs> like it's, it's envelope filter with um, like kind of a fuzz circuit in it. Cool. And it sounds gnarly, and it's really, really good, really nice. good. And they just put out like a new version, I think, pretty, or they're going to. Um, and they make overdrive and fuzz and tremolo, but they're super small. Two guys, Bob Daspitz, the other guy who's also a musician's musician's a musician's musician, I can't say that, uh, plays keys and mixes. And uh, like he's worked on like Sammy Hagar records and all kinds of stuff. Like he's, he's legit. So like knowing people like that and like, like through, through UA, um, you know, I would do things where I'd host something with a bunch of other players and you meet, you know, people I've looked up to forever, like Buddy Miller, Tim Pierce, and like Butch Walker and like, Butch and I text now, like he's, um, someone I consider, you know, a, a friend because we've spent a lot of time together on a, you know, at Sweetwater doing stuff and at Nam, And, um, he's one of those guys I've admired since I was, you know, making rock faces in a mirror, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so like meeting people like that and becoming friends that you would not have normally made is super, super cool. Um, but not so much on the way of like, a, like, uh, you know, I can't say like so-and-so's hired me to play a gig because of it. Maybe they did and I didn't know it. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing, last thing though, that's cool. So you got to keep in mind that there's a whole generation of guitar players that don't think it, that don't think this online stuff is cool. They're starting to change because <laughs> they realize that's all that's, it's the pass key to getting more people to hear you. But there's plenty of people that I would never tell I had a YouTube channel, you know, a few years ago or that I taught lessons on. I didn't, I was just out there playing gigs and doing sessions like everybody else because there's a stigma that you are not as good if you do that. But now everybody's seeing that change when- Is that still you know, like right now? It still now? is a little bit, not much, yeah. not as much. But like now if I'm, if I'm at a show or if I'm getting like a, a gig with like a, as a sound, as a side person- and somebody says, oh, that's, what else do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, I have an online guitar lesson site and I have a YouTube channel that I, they're like, oh, that's so cool. Tell me about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas 
people before would be like, ah, those YouTubers, none of those guys can play. Those guys aren't for real. So there's still <laughs> some of that. It's not, but some of those people are warming up to it. And then, you know, they have to eat their words a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I feel like, I, I don't know this to be 100% true, but I feel like some of them have to come around at some point because yeah. they're probably going to they're probably gonna watch some YouTubers. They're probably going to be like, oh, I really like this guy's pedal demos or whatever, insert person yeah. here. I and mean, so, you look at, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just thinking like at some point you, you have to, if you interact with the modern world at all and you're a musician, you've probably seen a YouTube video of a guitar thing at some point if you're it's, in this space. I'm so how can you, of, yeah, how can you not acknowledge that it's a real thing at some point? Yeah, I'm, I was sorry to interrupt you there. Um, no, but I'm seeing a lot of like kind of, you know, guitar players over 50 that are like, let me get into this thing here with this video making, you know, <laughs> and some like, Tim Pierce was on it 10 years ago. Exactly. And he, there, he's a guitar player's guitar player. Like he's, he's played on it. Every it gets. Yeah, exactly. Like, so whenever I would talk to him and he would give me advice, you know, because my dream was to play on the sessions and to, you know, be, you know, be, you know, the Brent Mason type or the Mike Landau type or the Tim Pierce type. And he said to me quite literally several years ago, I know what you want and it's not happening anymore. So you're already really good at this video game. Not video game, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, lean into it because you're going to be successful at it. So I was mm -hmm. like, if Tim is telling me that, who else do I need to talk to? No, that's it. That's yeah. but I did listen to Brett, and Brett was Brett Papa was another guy in that world who took a different, more macro view of it and said, "Hey, there's a lot of playing field here. Get in because you're gonna you're gonna really help people." Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Well, we're uh, winding down to the classic questions before we wrap this thing up. Bring but it on. But before I do that, this is when I like to give the guests the chance to, you know, shout out their grandma, plug anything they want to plug. Take the floor. The floor is yours right now. If you want to speak to a couple thousand oh, people, this is the time to do it. That is very kind of you. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. And, you know, it's nice to get to know you this way. Um, but yeah, since in the past, well, actually, since March of 2022, uh, so not so long since this is you're listening to this, I launched uh, my own personal guitar lesson website, not my name.com, which exists. My lesson website is workingclassguitar.com. Um, and Working Class Guitar is a place for not only my lesson courses, you can do a monthly subscription. That monthly subscription gets you um, access to any lesson on the site, including VIP lessons, which aren't visible to somebody just buying a course. Mm -hmm. And that membership also gets you a once a month Zoom hang with me and whoever is a VIP. So we'll have 25 or 30 people once a month on a call asking me questions. Our moderator helps me out on that. And it's a blast. Like, Every time we do it, people are just so thankful. I'm so glad I get to do this. And we can we can arrange to get like a nice discounted link for you guys to try that. And you get it free for 14 days. Jump on there, pillage the site, go crazy, look at any lesson and download <laughs> any track or tab that you want. And that's been my my thing is really building that. But at the same time, by doing that and pulling back from the road and playing, you know, what we call artist gigs, what it allows me to do is focus on my own music, my own gigs the way I want to play guitar, 
So in the, in the future, you'll see music released. You'll see me performing by myself under my own name more, I should say, um, as opposed to, oh, hey, I think that's Corey over there, stage right. Right. You know, <laughs> standing behind the you know, background singer, you know. Um, so I'm, I've leaned into all of this 100%, and um, I'm excited to see, you know, what the future holds. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and for the listeners, once we get that all arranged, I'll put that in the show notes, and then I'll talk about it in the intros. That'd be and, awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that nice and easy for everybody. All right, final questions. Here we go. Yeah. First one. What is your favorite boss pedal? Favorite boss pedal? Um, GE7 by far. Oh, yeah. GE7. That's right. I mean, I it's like, Desert Island. You could do anything with that. I feel like that's only the, maybe the second time that's been mentioned. I can't remember. What are most people's favorite boss pedal? Most people, I mean, people, some people take the easy way out and they go the tuner, which I can't really argue okay. with because it's, I mean, it's a classic. It's, it, I think that was the first pedal tuner ever, if I remember correctly. So there was uh, Arion made a pedal tuner, which I thought was amazing. Oh, they did. Um, I don't think yeah, I realized that. I believe they did it way back, way back when. Um, cause I had the boss TU 12 in the, the case that flipped open mm-hmm. and it was like the needle tuner. I yes. love that. But, um, TR2 tremolo is another Ooh. boss pedal. I, I don't think there's a tremolo that sounds like that to me. I don't know. I love that boss trim. TR2 is great. Yeah. I think the most common answer, if I had to guess, that's not the tuner is probably the DD three, which okay. you know, hard to argue with, right? You know, I, I played a blues driver for the first time in years the other day, and I was oh. like, blues driver sounds great. Blues driver is like, fantastic. There's, there's yeah. Absolutely nothing wrong with a stock blues driver. It sounded awesome. They they do. I hadn't owned one up until recently. Shout out John yeah. Chick. I know he's going to listen to this. John sent me one for Christmas, and I plugged it. And I was like, this is a great pedal. What? There's the nothing wrong. Like, it sounds awesome. Yes. The Keely yeah. modded one's really nice too, though. So yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But but the stock blues driver is is great. It yeah, really no is. issue. All right. Classic question. And this I like one these are good. <laughs> this 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 one, though, this one gets a little dicey. This is where okay. people's families break apart and oh boy. It, it's a big deal. And okay. with your last name, you might have a lot of input on this. We'll find out. <laughs> what is your favorite kind of pizza? Favorite kind of pizza. Um Gun to my head, I'd have to say, just like straight up like margarita. Uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. surprised. Yeah. You know, I'm not as Italian as my last name suggests. <laughs> um, I got all of, I got that in like the, you know, some of the other genetic <laughs> things that come along with it. But um, yeah, I don't eat pizza that much these days. But when I did, that was always kind of my favorite. Margarita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done. A really well done margarita. It's just like, yeah. it just, it really does hit the spot. I can't argue yeah. with that. That's very that good. a glass of wine. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good right now. I've not. I used to eat years ago when I was like, kind of like college age kind of guy. Like I was doing like straight up dominoes or I would do um, white pizza with tomato was one that I, I ate a lot. Ooh, I don't know about yeah, that, that was, one for me. Yeah. That, so that was, you know, um, Lots of, a couple of different varieties there. Yeah. Do you have a favorite, if you had to, I know you don't eat it much these days, but if you had to shout out a, a favorite location, like a specific pizzeria. Oh, man. Um, gosh, I'd have to, you know, Nashville doesn't have a whole lot of like great, legit East Coast style pizza. Um, 
everybody likes five points, which I like a lot here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then good. it's um, DeSanos, mm-hmm. probably the, the the two that stick out. Um, there was another one. I think it was Joey's. Joey's, never, rest in I, peace. I, I know, right I never the, got to go. It was right by the Stringjoy shop. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I li- they had like weird hours. They, well, it was a very they. It, it was good because it was New Yorkers. They were they were straight and up New York what family. I, um, was bummed me about because yeah. when I would go to New, like I'm from New Jersey in Pennsylvania, and I want it as um, like Neapolitan, greasy, bend it, cheese is salty. That was that's it. What I want. That was the spot. That was the spot. Yeah. But, but I will give you. I'll give you one more though. That's fantastic okay. in Nashville that you really okay. need to try. Desanos, that's that is very good. I didn't had that last time. Uh, Smith and Lentz Brewery. During okay. the pandemic, they they started making pizza, and it is really interesting. Good. Really, really good pizza. That's a month. I'll have to check mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, that that's a good spot. I'm Love definitely that. going there again next time I come down. Nice. I'll hit you up. We'll have fun. Yeah, we'll, man. We'll have pizza. That would be fun. <laughs> Well, right on, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're going to break for Patreon, but I really appreciate Sweet. you taking the time to hang no, out. Dude, and... is, I mean, hours gone by like no problem. Jeez, oh man. Yeah, we're doing a thing. This is how it we works. Are. <laughs> oh. Thank you so much. This is a blast. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, everybody. For Corey, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're hearing these words right now, I need you to understand. I appreciate you so much because without you, none of what I do gets to happen. Literally none of it. So thank you so much for tuning into this show. Thank you for hanging out for this long. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. And if you want to hear Corey and I talk about aliens, you're going to want to go to Patreon where you can help keep this thing going and you can also get extra bonus episodes every week. Every week I'm talking to people about aliens. Well, not every week. It's not always about aliens. Every week you get something. But it's not always about aliens. But oftentimes, it is. And this week we talk about aliens, and then we get into more music stuff. It's a really, really great conversation. A lot of people say that the Patreon is even better than the main podcast, and... You know, of course I would say that, but other people say it too. And if you can't do that right now, I totally get it. Things are weird. I get it. But I would ask you from the bottom of my heart, please, 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 please share this with somebody that you think would like it. As I've explained before, podcasts don't really have an algorithm driving these things. It's all up to you. It's up to you and it's up to me to get people to click on this and listen to this and hopefully enjoy it as much as I hope you did. So please share this with people. I will be forever grateful if you could share this with one other person, just one other person. If you think they would like this episode, just send it their way. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please check out Corey's stuff and I will see you on the internet. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com stringjoy, 
and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.